Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Today, on January the 5th, 2023, our Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, was uh, proceeded through funerary rites and was interred. And it was an eventful event with snubbings, running prior, good ones. <laughs> After all, POTUS, Joe Biden, was not invited. I'll, I'll explain some of the details there. It had prayerful, heartfelt sobbings by Garrett Gonswine. Had an interesting homily. I've been reading about the homily just recently and why Rod Dreher called it a disgrace of a homily by Pope Francis. And it was punctuated at the end by a chant by the crowd who was there, maybe 60,000, Dreyer estimated, of Sancto Subito. It was a cold fog present in the morning, as uh, Rod Dreyer described his walk through St. Peter's. Pope Benedict XVI was buried in a humble cypress coffin, with an oak casket. They sealed him in, as they always do. His face was covered for the right by a traditional silk white facial veil. This is a funerary rite for popes, dating back to the Middle Ages. And maybe the most beautiful image of the funerary rite was when Ganswine kissed the book of the gospel on top of Benedict's coffin itself. Ganswine, by the way, has a book coming out in a couple of weeks called Nothing But the Truth, My Life with Benedict the Sixteenth. And here's how that book is described. It could be quite big. I don't hold my breath about such things anymore, but listen to the book Defending Benedict called Nothing But the Truth. Archbishop Georg Ganswein, longtime personal secretary to Benedict XVI, has written a book that his publisher, his publisher is uh, PM Publishing, on Monday promised would tell the truth about, quote, blatant calumnies, dark maneuvers, mysteries and scandals that sullied the reputation of the late pontiff. Nothing But the Truth, My Life Beside Pope Benedict XVI will be published later this month. So that's going to be that could be a very big deal. That could be the smoking gun that all sorts of different folks in the church maybe up to and including the Benedictist Pope people have been waiting for, but I I I'm not betting on it. I don't know what dark maneuvers would be referred to here in an anticlimactic way, but that that always seems to be the way, doesn't it? So Gonswine was there President of the United States, Uncle Joe Biden, was not. I want to talk about this before we get to the funeral itself. I'll read a news story that broke yesterday, and we'll get that clip uh, ready to go in the meanwhile. Yesterday, January the 4th, it was reported U.S. President Joe Biden talks to reporters before walking to Marine One on the South Lawn of the White House, January the 4th, 2023, in Washington, D.C., President Biden is traveling to Northern Kentucky to showcase his infrastructure investments 
and his economic plan. The president, who is Catholic, faced questions Wednesday about why he was not planning on attending the funeral. The news agency said, You're not attending Benedict XVI's funeral tomorrow, though. Why? Biden replies, Well, why do you think? The uh, news journalist responded, You tell me. Benedict, uh, sorry, Biden responds, You know why. And the journalist responds, you can tell me, sir. And then he kind of broke the topic. That's very, very telling. A little bit more telling (laughs) is what the White House press secretary said, even though she can't quite pronounce emeritus, doesn't come too close. She had the following to say about why Joe Biden was not invited to the funeral, which I love, by the way. The president said in his statement, and I'm sure you saw, he joins Catholics and so many others around the world in mourning the passing of Pope uh, Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI. He will always uh, remember uh, the Pope's generosity and and meaningful conversation they had when he visited the Vatican in 2011. So to answer your question, uh, the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, Joe Donnelly, will uh, represent the United States at the funeral of the Pope in line with the wishes of the late Pope and the Vatican. This is what, uh, this is what their requests were. This is what their wishes were. Uh, and so uh, that's what you'll see from the U.S. So there you have it. The wishes of the Vatican was the following. No Biden. No Biden. You're not attending. Why? Why do you think, Biden said, as if with a wink, You tell me. Well, you know why. That's very interesting. Could it be that Benedict was, on the whole, a faithful Holy Father, a faithful son of the church, and Joe Biden is a, you know, the bastard son of uh, the church, not really even a son of the church, properly speaking? The abortionist loving, most abortion confirming president in the history of the United States, not a Catholic, evil, evil man. I think it has something to do with that. And yes, that that's if you leave it to us, President Biden, you know why you, you fathom it yourself. Well, I just did. What a time to be alive, parish orphans and retrogrades. We're going to get into a little bit more about Archbishop Ganswine, Cardinal Zen, who was allowed by his uh, his captors there in China to leave for five days. They gave him his previously confiscated passport back to him, and he made some in- interesting remarks. I have Twitter up on the screen so people can see. Cool. Okay. So there's a Ganswine Zen, uh, one member of the faithful, approached communion even at this funeral and was denied it. You can see it here. Was denied it up on the screen because he tried to receive on the mouth. Look. Look at this. They tell him no. Here he comes. Look at this. Get sent away. Get sent away. And, you know, I look, 
Zen made a, a couple of remarks that are really perfectly befitting Benedict's legacy. I'm going to talk about those. This image of one of the faithful, who is a lover of Benedict the Sixteenth, I'm sure, coming up to receive in the traditional posture of communion that Benedict is more or less associated with, being turned away is also quite apropos. It's quite apropos. Very, very, very powerful stuff. Now, I'll read you the end of the homily, which did not actually talk much about Benedict, so much so that Rod Dreher referred to it as a disgrace. So it's a, a, a somewhat long homily, depending on what tradition you're used to. Um, first paragraph, Francis gives a kind of thoughtful discourse on, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, from Luke chapter 23. Second paragraph, he he gives he takes it in a different direction and makes a comparison to a potter from Isaiah's uh, book of Isaiah chapter twenty nine. Third third paragraph, uh, Francis starts talking about prayerful attunement, devotion, and prayerful attunement. This is all rather abstract stuff. None of it has much, if anything, to do uh, with Benedict. Like the master, a shepherd bears the burden of interceding and the strain of anointing his people, especially in situations where goodness must struggle to prevail, and the dignity of our brothers and sisters is threatened. Not not particularly enlivening homiletics. Fourth paragraph, still on the theme of uh, devotional attunement, sustained by the consolation of the Spirit, Francis read, who always proceeds like the Father, the Holy Spirit and the pastor of the mission, this is not, not enlivening stuff. Fifth paragraph, he writes, holding fast to the Lord's last words and to the witness of his entire life, we too as an ecclesial community want to follow in his steps and to commend our brother into the hands of the Father. Interesting imagery when one pope sermonizes, eulogizes another pope, he keeps calling Benedict a brother. That's not how we know him. Francis, Pope Francis. We know him as Holy Father. One of the many oddities that arise out of having one Pope there touching the coffin and sermonizing another Pope, this just isn't supposed to happen. It is something of a, it's not just an anomaly, it's a kind of hideous freak of a historical anomaly. May those merciful hands find his lamp alight with the oil of the gospel that he spread and testified to for his entire life. I want to point out, as, as Rod Dreher did, that this is one of the finest uh, men ever to sit in the throne of Peter as a theologian, one of the fi finest theologians ever to become Pope. We haven't had as many theologian pontiffs as a lot of people assume. And not one word about this. And I think Dreher fallen into orthodoxy as he is, capital O orthodoxy. He does have a special love for Benedict XVI. I think this is a good point. Sixth paragraph, uh, penultimate one, he says at the end of his pastoral rule, St. Gregory the Great urged a friend to offer him the spiritual accompaniment 
amid the shipwreck of the present life, sustain me, I beseech you, by that plank of your prayer, that since my own weight sinks me down, the hand of your merit will raise me up. It's just about being sad about death and things like that. All he really says specifically about Benedict is the the ultimate seventh paragraph, which is this short. You ready for it? Benedict, faithful friend of the bridegroom, friend of the bridegroom, not powerful imagery. May your joy be complete as you hear his voice now and forever. And Rod Dreyer says it was not a bad homily necessarily, so why did I think it was a disgrace? Because Francis barely mentioned the man who we were bearing, only at the end as if to say goodbye. Francis's predecessor was perhaps the greatest theologian ever to occupy Peter's throne. That's quite, quite arguable, but there aren't tons of contenders. But of this, Francis said nothing. Joseph Ratzinger was an absolutely essential pillar of the world historical great papacy of St. John Paul II, but of this, from Francis, nothing. You don't even have to have liked Ratzinger's theology to nevertheless recognize his significance. This was Francis's opportunity to do so. He refused. He could have delivered this homily for his butler. Compare it to the detailed joyful uh, eulogy. He skipped a word. Benedict XVI gave it the funeral of John Paul II. Again, I know I'm a partisan because he loves Benedict XVI, but this struck me as an act of disrespect, explicable only as an exercise of banked contempt. That's... I think well stated. You know, I don't know, don't usually agree with Rod Dreher, especially when Catholicism is involved, but I think this is a pretty, pretty fair expression of it. Now, faithful son of Papa Benedict was denied communion, which is somehow very fitting for a funeral of Benedict the Sixth. I mean, I hate it. I hate, uh, you know, I, I, I don't receive really almost ever, almost ever anymore at a Novus Ordo because I just can't, I don't have it in me to do. I, I just can't receive at a Novus Ordo unless it's a super, super trusted priest. But even at a Novus Ordo, I do it on the knees and yeah, if they, if they send me away, I will make it painful for them to do. Um, but via awkwardness, I'll just sit there. And it's actually never happened to me. They've tried, but I just sit there and they, they end up, Happened to you, and I, I that that priest paid the price for 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 trying to deny Steph. He did successfully deny Steph, and this is what happened to a faithful son of Papa Benedict XVI. That's in some ways the iconographic perfect expression of Benedict. Right? He inspired a lot of us. He inspired a lot of temporary, short-lived change in the church for the better. But he petered. I mean, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be disrespectful. But he, things did peter out. And even the same proposition is stood for by a different set of claims by Cardinal Zen, who also attended Benedict the Sixteenth's funeral, and his statements, as as glowing as he was, and as fond of Benedict Sixteen as he was. It's the same theme in different clothes. Old old wine and new skins. Let me let you see what you think, parish orphans and retrogrades. Cardinal Zen attends Benedict XVI's funeral after Hong Kong authorities released the passport. 
He was there Thursday morning after Hong Kong authorities temporarily released his passport for five days. The 90-year-old, holy cow, I always forget Zen is 90. The 90-year-old cardinal from Hong Kong arrived in St. Peter's Square, dressed in red, and walking with a cane to celebrate the funeral mass on January the 5th. The former bishop of Hong Kong, who was arrested last year under the city's national security law, was allowed by a local court to travel to Italy to be present for the funeral of the late pope who made him a cardinal. A magistrate, which is a hilarious concept, they don't really have government of laws, not men, in China, but they pretend to. A magistrate ruled on Jan 3 that the Chinese cardinal would be allowed to leave Hong Kong for five days. Ooh. Magnanimous state, the Chicoms, with his previously confiscated passport temporarily returned to him. Following the death of Benedict XVI on December 31st, Cardinal Zen reflected on the legacy of the late Pope. Um, this article writes, the late Pope Emeritus, that's, that's incorrect. It's, he's a late Pope. That silly, really shameful ad hoc moniker Emeritus, there's no such thing as a Pope Emeritus. I'm glad we can be done with it. It drops off now forevermore to the dustbin of history. I, I didn't use Emeritus half the time when I was talking about Benedict anyway, not because I'm a Benedictist Pope person, because it's garbage. Now he's just a, a deceased Pope. So so uh, this AP AP story gets it wrong. They, they don't understand. He's not a late Pope Emeritus. He's a late Pope. The Cardinal wrote on his blog that Benedict XVI was a, quote, great defender of the truth who took extraordinary actions to support the church in China despite many setbacks, I would say, despite crippling setbacks that ultimately completely impaired him. This is, this is Benedict, sadly. Here's what Zen said. As a member of the Chinese church, I'm immensely grateful to Pope Benedict for things he's done that he did not do for other churches. The Hong Kong Cardinal recalled in particular Benedict XVI's 2007 letter to China, which Cardinal Zen called quote, a masterpiece of balance between the lucidity of Catholic ecclesiological doctrine and humble understanding with respect to civil authority. Another extraordinary thing, says Zen, he did, he, Benedict, did for the church in China is the establishment of a powerful commission to take care of the affairs of the church in China. Unfortunately, this is what, you know, you always have to follow praise of Benedict with an unfortunately he doesn't really follow through. Under the new president of said commission, it has been made to disappear quietly without even a word of respectful farewell. Folks, parish orphans and retrogrades, what does this sound like? Another extraordinary thing Benedict did for blank, the Church of China, the Church around the world, the Latin Rite, is the establishment of something that is artfully written. You know, think of Samorum Pontificum, beautifully and Teutonically conceived in that, in that, those um, internecine, intricate, finely cultivated Teutonic categories of that, that, that brain, that intellect of Benedict's. He's a gifted man. So he makes powerful gestures, powerful written gestures 
for I'd say the right people, good men like Zen and the the Chinese white red martyrs, Latin mass Catholics. Unfortunately, under the new boss, it's been made to disappear quietly. Zen says, we say that about our new pope, the pope who buried Benedict. Traditionis custodes made Samorum Pontificum disappear more than quietly. The article points out Benedict created Zen a cardinal in 2006 and selected the cardinal to write the meditations of the papal stations of the cross at the Colosseum in 2008, one year before Cardinal Zen's retirement as Bishop of Hong Kong. Cardinal Zen underlined, underlined that he sees Benedict XVI as a pope who was often misunderstood and sometimes not followed, but said that it is precisely in these cases, which seem to be failures, that I was able to admire his great fortitude and magnanimity in the face of setbacks. Listen to what he chases this with. Despite his great efforts, Pope Benedict failed to improve the situation of the church in China, or the church writ large. Despite his great efforts that were sincere, I believe, and Zen, who knew the man, believed, Pope Benedict failed to improve the situation of the church in China, in America, around the world. He could not accept just any compromise. So, we remember Benedict as a very gifted man, intellectually especially, very gifted man who sincerely wanted the best for the church, tried at first to realize his efforts on behalf of the restored health of the church and ultimately just said, for whatever reason, I don't have the strength. And I do think of Benedict fondly. And you guys know, I'd... there's like a, a different standard of review when you're listening to different commentators. For, for, for the super polite, who largely populate Catholic commentary, I, now I don't always see the super polite as super honest, but for the super polite, they'll say, oh, I think of... Papa Francis fondly, I, 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 you know, and then they'll say in some subtle way, hyper, hyper padded, that they don't really agree with Francis. Now, I, I, I say things differently. I'm more bottom line oriented. And I say, yeah, I don't, I don't think of Francis fondly. I'm not going to lie to you. So when I say I think of Benedict fondly, I mean, I think of the deceased pontiff very fondly. He's one of the great inspirations for me to go to Rome. I, I've talked about this last three shows. He's one of the great inspirations after you know, in my life to actually take an interest in learning about internecine Vatican politics because I just always admired him and said, oh, he's got these, these uh, canting court of chamberlains that sometimes follow him, sometimes don't, but he really has a genius's mind and... That was great for the first three years of the pontificate, where you're like, oh, there's this picture of almost a dope anti-hero, his own court of chamberlains, you know, vying against him. It was great. And then he kind of just gave up the second half of the pontificate, and then he literally gave up the office, and so we don't know what to make of it. Well, I say sincerely, I still love the man. I hope he's in heaven. 
They chanted Santo Subito. I, I don't know about that. I uh, No, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be a saint soon. That's what it means. I'm, I don't know. I mean, basically every other pope after the council has been canonized. They're trying to canonize the council, right? It'll be very interesting to see whether Francis and Francis's, uh, the one who follows Francis, will, given the internal politics, make Benedict basically the only post-VC2 pope not to be a saint. Most of us feel that he's, if he's at least the closest to one to, to what should be a saint of the post-conciliar popes. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know enough information there, but I don't, I don't just assume anyone should be who held the office should be saint. But let's close now in love, in respect, with some speculation about this book, Nothing But the Truth by Georg Ganswein. It's very interesting. I expect more often than not to be disappointed. But this book defending Benedict by Ganswein called Nothing But the Truth, which is a kind of too much protestation for the title, to not be saying something juicy, one would think. Right? No, look, what I said was nothing but the truth. That's when you're preemptively responding to folks who you expect to disagree with you, to gainsay you. Just like Pope Benedict XVI preemptively disinvited POTUS from attending his funeral, which, which I love that. Gonswine is preemptively saying, hey, it's nothing but the truth. Here's my life with Benedict XVI. And he promised that the book would tell the truth about blatant calumnies, Dark maneuvers, mysteries, and scandals that sullied the reputation of the late pontiff. Now, let's take these one by one really quickly. I'm not going to make a whole show on it. But blatant calumnies, which sully the reputation of the late pontiff. This could be... This sounds like it's sort of oriented at... um, Trads or trad-friendly, you know... Benny Plenis adjacent folks that are saying that Benedict retired because he was threatened or and he had a, a lack of courage in the face of such threats. That sounds like it's going in that direction. Kind of I don't want to I don't want to put everything on the spectrum, but to be plain about it, this sounds like a blue pill direction for the book, right? That's a calumny. He's not a coward, and that just means more of the same. Cuz I don't I don't really know what I believe about his retirement. We haven't been given anything extra. It's like Lamar, uh, DeMar Hamlin, right? It's not normal to not receive updates periodically. And the period is coextensive, proportional to the nature of the emergency. We haven't been given any updates on over the last 10 years, almost exactly 10 years, on, well, why is Benedict still alive? Or if he's this healthy, why not take the pont- pontificate back? Or well, not that you can do that, but same as we we expected to be getting hourly updates on Demar Hamlin. There's a reason we're not being. There is a reason we're not being updated hourly on Demar Hamlin. I'll talk more about that maybe in a couple of days. 
But so blatant calumnies sounds unexciting, not to put too fine a point on it. It sounds like they're going to be saying more blue pill stuff uh, in this PM publishing book by Garrett Gonswine. But now the second category of desiderata from the book, Dark Maneuvers. This is a bit more promising to those in the church invested in the idea that something more is going on. Not necessarily beneplanism, but it could be inclusive of such things, or it could be, you know, half halfway there, which wouldn't which would just mean, look, there really were evil forces aligned against Benedict, which we basically already know. His his opening statement as Pontiff was Save me from the wolves. That I that I always have courage, that I don't flee before them, which he did. Which he did. So the dark maneuvers is hard to imagine in a blue pill direction. This sounds like a red pill. I don't know. I will be eagerly awaiting the book and then doing a show on it. Unless it's a total, unless all this turns out to be total fluff. Commercial advertisement fluff. And Gonswine, he has that in him. He can be a bit of a drama queen. He really can be a bit of a drama queen. Maybe not, though. Now, the third category of desiderata from the book being promised here, he will tell the truth about the mysteries of Benedict. Which, you know, hey, look, he waited until Benedict died to publish this, so maybe there will be some tell-alls. This sounds more like a red pill than a blue pill. And scandals that sullied the reputation of the late pontiff. I expect this to be Vatileaks, Benedict's butler, and the Vatican Bank scandal of 2012. And I, I, I expect legitimate exculpatory evidence with regard to Benedict in both of these areas. Kind of blue pill. I mean, that, to me, that's not that, that cutting edge. So you got a couple blue pills in here, just just on the face of the language. Then a couple possible red pills, though. Don't don't remember January the sixth of two years ago. I'm not talking about the the fake insurrection. I'm talking about remember all those promises by Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood. Remember that? That was really weird. Where where, where did they go? By the way, Powell and Wood, total. If you ask me, in my opinion, total griftage, making big promises, never delivering. Well, we've been burned before, and I don't want to be burned again in waiting for some sort of salvific red pill moment like we were waiting for on January the 6th, 2021, as promised by Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood. Now, this is not a promise the truth about dark maneuvers and mysteries, but it sounds pretty close. So we're going to await this. This could be kind of the thing that we're waiting for. I will say in final, final deference to the Benedict event, I, this is now the fourth show in a row I've done on Benedict. I think it's appropriate. One of the finest theologian popes we've ever had and was was played a big role in my life decision-making, making me decide to go to Rome and get a get a, a pontifical uh, 
ecclesiastical degree, a PHL. People in America don't know what that was. When I debated Josh Hammer, they didn't even know how to say PHL or licentiate. I will say, upon his death, we knew he was going to die a week out. We're kind of just waiting for it, prayerfully. And I was kind of hoping that Benedict had a kill switch or something, you know? I mean, I was hoping he had some lockbox for the moment he dies, some... I don't think he'd use a Swiss bank. The people in Switzerland, the St. Gallen folks, don't seem to like him. The WEF, also in Switzerland, Davos, St. Gallen. Switzerland's bad, so maybe not a Swiss uh, you know, bank, bank drawer, but a bank drawer in some other part of the world would give us some revelation about Benedict. And this was not to be. This felt a little bit like an unpromised, insinuated... January 6, 2021. Apparently kind of disappointed as well. Yeah, my, my eight-month-old daughter is as disappointed as we were. So I don't know. Leave a comment. I, I'm really, I, I don't always say leave a comment. Some topics are like, the comments don't matter as much. I'm really, really curious about two things. One of them's Benedict. Where are you now that he's passed and we're in the next era of the church? That was a weird nearly 10-year era parish orphans and retrogrades that was really weird to have two popes now we're back to one pope how do you feel is francis going to amp up the synodality synod i think he is he just had heiner wilmer blocked by allegedly cardinal Mueller. outgoing cdf double doubly outgone cdf seems to have blocked the cdf choice the prefect of the CVDS choice by Francis, who is a radical. So Francis is amping things up aggressively as we move into the next phase. What do you make of it all? What do you make of Gonswine's book? I really don't always say, you know, leave a comment. Everyone who's watching this, leave me a comment, please. Second, totally unrelated issue is the Hamlin topic, Damar Hamlin allegedly 20 feds were surrounding the hospital that night when he got brought over by the ambulance to University of Cincinnati Hospital. We have not gotten one meaningful update in, all, in two and a half days. What is going on? Well, you know what it is. What could this be? They know that we know that they're lying about something. What is it? You get vague little updates. He's improving. Is he? Is he is he really okay? They know we know they're lying. We don't know how big the lie is. We definitely know I I, I definitely would would place a, a a wager, a cash wager on what caused the thing. I know they're lying about what caused the thing. I'm not sure if they're lying about how Hamlin is doing now. What do you think? Leave that in the comments. I'm very curious what you guys think. I, look, I know when you're a YouTube guy, the way I'm a YouTube guy, you're supposed to say leave a comment every video. I mean, I guess, but I'm just being honest with you. Unless it's something provocative where I really do want to know what do, you, what do you guys think about this, I'm not calling for the comments. Leave a comment. Some of you became friends in the comm boxes and stuff like that. That's cool. 
But here I'm really curious. Really, really curious. I will read them eagerly on either of those two issues because I I'm pretty confident we're being we've been lied to some about Benedict. I'm pretty confident we've been lied to a great deal about Hamlin. And the world's really weird now. So let me know. God bless Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. God bless you guys. If you want to support the channel, leave the comment, like, subscribe, click the notification bell. Please do that. We didn't quite quite cross 40,000 subscribers before New Year's. You might be, you know, email me at timothyjgordon at timothyjgordon.com if you are the 40,000th subscriber. Maybe we'll send you a free book or something if you're the the 40,000th subscriber. I don't know how to how to actually verify this, but let's let's get the channel over 40,000 subscribers. We got to grow this channel. I I I do things the slow, organic, what I think is the non-upward striving way. I'm not upwardly mobile. I'm not trying to make this the biggest YouTube channel out there because I want to tell the truth. And people with the biggest YouTube channels generally do not tell the truth. You can get a big YouTube channel if you're talking about sports or movies or video games. Sports, movies, video games. You can you can say what you honestly think if you're compelling enough and tell the truth, but you can't be the biggest YouTube channel about politics or especially religion. You can't be the big dog. But but you want to be as big as you can be and still tell the truth and still engage with your, your people in an authentic way. Also, if you want to support the channel, this channel needs a lot of support going into 2023. Well, I'm not saying we're doing great, but we need, we need continued support. A week for all patrons, all patrons, Every, even the smallest patron level, um, we are doing a four-week book club on The Great Divorce together with the Quite Frankly channel. We like to, me and Frank like to do book clubs together. He's a cool dude. I really like him. We're doing C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce starting next Wednesday, patrons only. Lots of enhanced benefits for patrons. I'm about to start. I haven't decided which class I want to do first. How to homeschool your children. Without a curriculum, that'll be a four-week class. I think I'm going to open with that. And then the second four-week, uh, six-week class will be the Catechism of Trent highlights. And we're not going through the whole thing, but the highlights of the Catechism of Trent. I think I'm going to go in that order. And people are really, really interested in the former. I think you should be really interested in both. I think we're going to make both of those free for everyone, not just patrons. But let me, let me think about it. We're going to start that real soon, probably in that order. Some of this stuff we kind of just put out there, see what interest there is in it. Um, I know, I know the, how, the ho- how to homeschool your kids without using a curriculum is really important. People ask me, what curriculum do you use? I'm like, don't use a curriculum. I'll teach you how to not use a curriculum. Re- using a curriculum is a socialist educational method indoctrination method developed most starkly by John Dewey, the American communist out of the University of Chicago during, you know, between World Wars One and Two. It's commie stuff. It's about reading, writing, arithmetic. It's about the trivium. It's about grammar, logic, rhetoric. You don't teach grammar, logic, rhetoric with curricula. So don't, don't be like, oh, Catholic ed, bro. 
homeschool Catholic ed, bro. What curriculum do you use? Though that flies in the face of it. We're going to talk about homeschool your kids. If you're not doing that yet, get on it. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about homeschooling your kid and making your curric- making your own set of semester guidelines, let's call them, as you go. I'll show you how to do that in this four-week course. It's mainly just rules of thumb, to be honest. But this question we get all the time, don't we? How do you do it without a curriculum? Uh, Do you think Augustine, Cicero, Plotinus were educated using curricula? No. That's not how you teach a child grammar. That's not how you teach a preteen logic. That's not how you teach a teen rhetoric. That's not what education is. You guys have been brainwashed. I'll help to to debug it. That I think we'll do first. I'm nearly positive, and I'll let you know the date of that free four-week course. Also, if you want to support me, not, not the channel, but me via donations, uh, also on timothyjgordon.com, Go to donor box. That's just that's just you know out of pure donative support. Has nothing to do with the channel. Has nothing to do with getting something in return. It's just a donation. We do accept those on donor box at timothyjgordon.com. For you know, we have expensive expensive insurance, and always around the corner, even with expensive insurance, the threat of big brain surgery looms with our eldest daughter so knock on well i won't say knock on wood i just learned the etymology of the term but 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 uh cross yourself we haven't had any big expensive brain surgeries in three years in april right (laughs) yes but we've had a lot of those with abby so god bless you guys god bless benedict the 16th i do love this man he's my favorite post-conciliar pope i'm sure he's yours too one of the smartest just highest IQs ever to populate the Sea of Peter and one of the best theologians besides. And I, I don't, I'm not going to talk about the absconding anymore, or at least for a few days. God bless you all. Deus Volt. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.